Good morning. Uh, it's a great uh, privilege to be here with you um, and uh, particularly to be sharing about the work of CAP. It's my, my privilege as someone who's involved with, with the ministry of CAP to, to visit a variety of churches and just share just what CAP is doing and achieving um, and what you can do and how you can play your part in, in what is in what is happening. Uh, if we can start the... Oh, right with right there. Um, can I just ask a question to start? Is, what's the largest crowd you've been part of? Who's been part of a crowd of a thousand? Quite a few of you. Uh, 25,000? One or two. 50? Oh, 75. Right. Um, we're supposed to engage with our community, and I guess in Southampton, this is probably not a very good engagement. Uh, a picture of a Wembley Stadium with um, <clears throat> Brighton and Hove Albion. Cup semi-final last year, 80,000. And, you know, in a crowd like that, I knew two guys sitting either side of me, but the vast majority of them I didn't know. They, they were, in a sense, faceless. They were, um, you know, it's just a group of people, isn't it? And if you're in the midst of that crowd, it can feel quite threatening, can't it? At least, well, for a couple of hours anyway, we had some hope. Um, enough said on that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, when we look at our country, there's enough people to fill 150 Wembley stadiums who are struggling with poverty and debt. That's a huge number, isn't it? And there are people without hope. There are people who are trapped in poverty and debt who, who not only are hope hopeless and helpless, they feel faceless, they feel unseen. I wonder if we really know what it is like in a sense. I, I catch a glimpse of that when I'm in a crowd like that. But, you know, Cap recently commissioned a, a YouGov poll to find out about the reality of, of poverty in the UK. 16 million people have had to skip a meal recently due to the cost. That's, that's a huge proportion of our population, isn't it? One in 11. Um, that's probably four or five people here. Have gone without heat or light on a daily basis because of the result of poverty. And the never-ending pressure of uh, financial insecurity does have a detrimental effect, not just on, pe on people's living, but actually how they are mentally, how they feel. As I say, there's a sense of helplessness and, and facelessness and, and being ignored and, and, and so on. And, and the smallest increase in cost can pull people over the edge into debt. They're living on a knife edge. But it's not just that either, is it? You know, 
the circumstances of life, the sudden loss of a job, a marriage breakup, illness, and yeah, issues of money management often force people into debt, which, again, there seems no escape from. Well, one of the things that we believe in CAP is that the Bible does give us a clear guidance on how we respond to that. And we respond not just with the social. Our heart at CAP is to see people released from debt. And uh, in the, in, while CAP has been operating for the last 27 weeks, we've seen over 20,000 people released from debt. And that's something t- tremendous, isn't it? But our heart too is to see people touched. There are those who struggle with um, life skills you're looking at later on, and I'll touch back on that presently. But these are the things that CAP is involved as well. But the thing that I'm passionate about CAP is that we are not a social service. As a pastor and a teacher, I still also have an evangelist's heart. I want to see people set free, above all, from the debt of sin and the despair of a broken relationship with God. And as they come to the cross to find in Jesus the one who gives hope for eternity. Amen? Oh, good, you do believe it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because that's my heart, and that's why I'm involved with CAP. Because CAP gives us the opportunity. You know that over 8,000 people in the time that CAP has been operating have come to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. That, to me, is the most exciting thing of all. Cap, it, we don't put a condition on who we serve. We don't put a condition on how they respond, but we take the opportunity to share Jesus with them. And there is the result, you know. It's not just hope in this life, it's hope eternal. And that, for me, is the exciting thing about, about Cap. And I've gone off script already, but who cares? That's what Cap is all about. And actually, I produced a book. It's, it's, it's a really useful book. I've got some on the, on the stall. Uh, it's called A Call to Action. They produced it in conjunction with the Bible Society. And it's a, brilliant, it's a brilliant book that actually gives that biblical foundation to what we're doing. And uh, do come, and I, they're free. Do come and get one from me at the stall afterwards. It's a, it's a book that's got questions and things at the back. You could use it in small study groups if you wanted to. And, and it is a really, really good book produced by Cap and Bible Society. As I say, it's free. Come and get a copy from me afterwards because I think it, will, it helps nail down what we're doing. It faces the reality of the world in which we live. But it gives us that sense of security and assurance that in the midst of that we can still clearly present Jesus in a way that's professional and honest. And that, for me, is, 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 is so important. Um, uh, but, you know, when we're faced with all that and we equip ourselves, even so, we're still faced with that thought of the, you know, the big crowd and you're, you're, um, you're faced with how do we respond? How do we as individuals respond? How do we as a church respond? Well, I do want to take you back. I do want to take you back to Matthew chapter 9 and that reading that we had. And 
Matthew, that, that reading is a very interesting reading because I don't know whether you've really sort of noticed, but you know, like Mark's gospel, you've got eight chapters of Jesus' ministry. Luke has got it scattered all through the gospel. Matthew condenses Jesus' ministry, particularly in Galilee, into essentially two chapters, seven and eight. Uh, sorry, eight and, eight and nine. And these verses that we had read were, in a sense, a summary of the whole of Jesus' ministry. See, Matthew's gospel exists more as something to train and equip disciples through telling the story of Jesus and using, and using what Jesus taught. It's a discipleship manual, essentially, really, for Jewish Christians. So Matthew's purpose is different from Mark and from Luke, but obviously Jesus' healing and teaching ministry is still vital to that understanding of who and what we are. And Matthew essentially summarizes it in these two chapters, and then, in the verses that we had read, he summarizes the summary. Tells us that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogue, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The first thing that you notice there is the need of the people. They were like sheep without a shepherd, they were harassed and helpless. And then later on, when we, when we read the story of the feeding of the 5,000, again you find a crowd that's very similar to that. And again, they're, they're desperate to meet with Jesus. They have the physical, but they have the spiritual, and Jesus is setting out to meet all of them. They're mentally and spiritually oppressed. And they're like sheep without a shepherd. And the reaction of Jesus to them, he had compassion on them. Uh, I guess we're quite familiar with the word compassion. It, it sounds a fairly comfortable word, doesn't it? I, I, I don't know about you, but I have this sort of... Some words, you know, they, they carry a feeling, don't they? Well, in the Greek... Sorry, I, I'm only going to do this once, I promise. In, in the Greek... The word there is a word called splanknizomai. Sounds sort of spiky and uncomfortable, doesn't it? Splanknizomai. It's a very common word. It's the word we get our word spleen from. And the word compassion comes with the sense of having a gut-wrenching feeling. You're you look, and Jesus looked at the crowds, and it wasn't a sort of warm feeling of compassion. It was as though his gut was turned over because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he had to do something about it. That's what compassion is. That's what compassion is. And he called the disciples to be involved. We so often finish at verse 39, don't we? I deliberately ask for verse 10 and one, verse, chapter 10 and verse 1 to be read because there shouldn't be a chapter division. Again, in, in, in the Greek, there aren't chapter divisions. It just runs on through originally. 
And Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. And he called the twelve disciples and sent them out. Jesus has compassion. Jesus reaches out to the faceless and the helpless and the hopeless with his healing and teaching ministry. And he says to the disciples, I want you to be involved as well. So the reaction of Jesus includes a call to the disciples to involvement. The answer to the prayer for more workers is the disciples. And in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew 14, you get a glimpse of what that actually looks like in practice. And, and it's really interesting as you, as, you, as, we, as you look at that story, and I'm sure you know that story only too well. If you look at that story, you find, as I said, a crowd similar. A crowd full of people who were broken, hurting and outcast. People searching for healing, hope and meaning. And actually, that's not very dissimilar to what we've already talked about, is it? About the millions in our country. In poverty, in debt, struggling, feeling helpless and hopeless. Yes, that world is still with us, isn't it? And you notice, in terms of the involvement, that the disciples still haven't got it. Faced with this crowd who've been with Jesus all day long and they've got to the end of the day and, and they're tired and they're hungry and it's been a long day. And what do the disciples want to do? Send them away. Sorry, that sounds a bit brutal, but... Lord, no, it, it's, it, that, that, they're tired, they're hungry. That, it's time to send them off to go and, go and get some food. See, they still hadn't got it, had they? They didn't see, if you like, the needs for the people. And I wonder sometimes whether we really see the need of the people around us. Individuals with their own special value to God. Individuals who need a touch. Physically, mentally, spiritually. And the same Jesus is saying to us today, as he said to the disciples, no, don't send them away. You give them something to eat. Jesus may not be telling us to actually give physically food, but to actually be involved in a way that touches people in their need. And I do believe that that's one of the things that's, that's at the heart of the work of CAP and that you're beginning to be involved in in some of the things that you're doing that you're beginning to look to ways in which you, you can feed. But that involvement is so, so important, isn't it? And then as you, as you read that story of the feeding of 5,000, you, you realise too, not only is there that call to involvement, but there's that step of faith. The disciples didn't have much to give, and I love the way that Peter read that. You know, we've only got two... Two, 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 um, you know, five loaves and two fishes. We ain't, we ain't got very much at all. You know, I really did. I really felt that came came across as you as you read that, Peter. Thank you. 
They had nothing really, did they? Not certainly to feed a crowd of five, 5,000. Actually, it was probably far more than 5,000 because we told you 5,000 men and undoubtedly the women and children present as well. And, uh, but they brought what little they had, didn't they? And Jesus takes it. Jesus takes it. And when Jesus takes the little that we bring, my goodness, what he can do with it, eh? When Jesus takes what little we can bring with faith, he can do incredible things, can't he? One or two of you are nodding. He can. And that's the story of Cap. 27 years ago, God touched one man's heart with a burden for the lost, the lonely, and the helpless who were struggling with poverty and debt, and also people who were trapped in spiritual poverty, like sheep without a shepherd. And, and as God touched John Kirby and gave him a vision, John started with nothing, and someone gave him a £10 note, and he stepped out in faith, having nothing but himself the Spirit of God, a knowledge that God had saved his shipwreck of a life when he'd been brought to faith in Christ and started CAP. And 27 years later, over 874 churches are involved in tackling poverty in their local community. Wow. What a privilege, isn't it? But as I said, what a privilege not just to be touching the physical and the mental and the emotional, but having the freedom and the remit to touch them spiritually as well. We've just, we've just opened, we've just opened or reopened a debt centre on the Isle of Wight. And one of the key things for the manager of the debt centre is that he has to have a heart for evangelism as well as a heart for the poor. That's so exciting. And Jesus' heart of compassion is central to the work of Christians against poverty. And uh, our vision is to see transformed lives, thriving churches, and an end to UK poverty. Yes, that's, that's a vision. We may not see it in, in one sense. We know that will not be totally achieved until Jesus returns. But God has given us opportunities and privileges to speak to Parliament and, and, and business as well, to challenge the way that things are done, to bring some measure of uh, remission, in, in a sense, into the poverty of, that so many face. And it's a vision that has put compassion into action. And to explain a little bit more of how this happened, I know you've got uh, several debt centres here in, the, uh, in, in Southampton, but to explain a little bit more about how this happens, I'm going to introduce to you to Melinda. Her story is just one in the crowd of people today who's experienced the ruthlessness of poverty, but her story is also one of transformation and hope. So let's, let's watch uh, Melinda's story now. The cost of living in the UK is rising, 
and it's changing people's lives. So many people skipping meals is a sobering thing that a third of employers are likely to make redundancies over the next year. Marie, the average household energy bill could surge above £4,200. I'm 62 years young. Um, I was born in Barbados. I have a, a mental health issue and um, when my boys were very young, I got very ill and I was laid off work. I think if you've got a mental health label, people don't take it seriously. I was getting 64 pounds a week to feed and clothe myself and my children. I had to choose between buying something as simple as a bra. I didn't buy because I would have to pay like the gas or the electric. The, the few things that I had started to break down. My um, fridge, my cooker, my television, and my um, washing machine all broke down within a week. And I went against my own principle of saving up. So I ran up over 2,000 pounds I was also borrowing money from family members, seesawing between um, paying my bills and not having enough to live on. Sometimes I couldn't sleep at night because I was thinking, oh, I've got this to pay, I've got that to pay, and will the debt collectors be coming round, you know? The anxiety as to how will this play out was very real. I have had suicidal tendencies in the past and my future never seemed set. I suddenly felt, because of my bills and because of my mental health situation, I was never going to make it, that I'm no good. I was very fortunate because the doctor I was seeing suggested Wimbledon Guild and um, they recommended me to CAP and when I um, contacted the number that they gave me uh, I spoke to Peter and Peter was very very helpful, very kind and we went through the process that um, to get me out of debt, have all my bills and everything taken care of. And then one day he invited me to the church and I went along. I was in awe because people were coming up to you and talking to you as though you were not a stranger, as though you were part of the family. And it's so uplifting. I really feel that I've come home and I'm very glad to say that now I'm debt free. And at first it didn't seem real because I had been struggling with my bills for a couple of years, um, more than a couple of years, to know that they had sorted it out in, in three months and that I didn't have to worry. It was such a relief. Oh, I can't tell you, I was so happy. <laughs> Working with CAP has given me a desire to 
do better. I've actually started going to college and um, I'm learning maths and IT. Peter encouraged me to become a befriender. Having you there and saying, well, actually, I've recently gone through this process myself. It's a real comfort to other people to actually hear that, yes, you can, you know, you can get through the process and come to a place of flourishing. Totally different <laughs> point of view now. Um, I'm looking forward to see what tomorrow will bring and what the future will hold. I'm feeling comfortable in, in myself and in my place with God. It has to be the work of God because there was no way out, but God has made a way. Across the UK, millions like Melinda are trapped under the crushing weight of debt and poverty, facing a future without hope. Together, we must fight to end poverty and its cruel impact on people's lives. As the cost of living crisis continues, there is no time to lose. By giving just £12 a month, you can help provide the support that someone like Melinda needs to start afresh. Church, let's put Jesus' compassion into action and end UK poverty together. Please join us and become a life changer today. You see, it's... it's, a, it's The cost a, of living... It's a, a shared ministry, isn't it? CAP has its experts at um, uh, Bradford who work hard with the clients to actually negotiate with creditors and to find a way to um, help with the whole debt thing situation. But in getting someone debt-free, it also requires not just the debt centre manager who uh, deals with the paperwork and everything else, but it requires a church with befrienders, people who can come alongside, because the journey out of debt can be a long one. It can take many years. It needs people who can stand alongside. I don't know how you respond to that, that story of, of, of Melinda. It may even be that there's someone here who actually you're in the same position. And no one knows because you feel too ashamed or too paralyzed to acknowledge where you are and yet you know you need that help. You may not even feel you can talk to someone here. There's a phone number you can call that puts you in touch with Bradford and I shall have it on my laptop at the, back of the, at the, at the table at the back afterwards. You don't even need to speak to me You'll be able to see the number. But can I say, if you're in that position, give Bradford a ring. Because they will put you in touch with someone who will involve a church that can come alongside you and support you. What a privilege that is, isn't it? But of course, CAP isn't just doing um, that ministry either. It has a ministry of support in other areas. As I've said, over 20,000 people have, have come free of debt. Over 8,000 have found hope in Christ. And many, many more have been helped in other ways. Here at Porchwood, you've got your own plans, haven't you? You're planning a community hub. 
starting very shortly, and we're going to hear a bit more about it. To provide opportunities for people to find warmth in the cold, for people to engage with the jobs club that you're already that you that you've got available, with the life skills course that you're looking at. Jobs Club can help people back into work. Life skills is about helping people who may not be in debt, but they're really struggling with making the money that they've got uh, work for them and, and they've got problems that, that actually they need skills. And the life skills course that you're looking at developing gives opportunity for that. You've got that Jobs Hub. But can I suggest also... One of the things that, that CAT runs is money management courses. Maybe that's something. And I've got a bit of information about that at the back. I've been a bit cheeky here, aren't I? But could you think about, on, on top of the jobs clubs and the life skills, money management courses? Then they're very simple and very, very short and easy to run. But again, they can, they can be something that really help people. And these things are a crucial part of what CAP does and what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to pray. First and foremost, brothers and sisters, we need people who are praying. Praying for for the work of CAP. Praying for people in our community that are in need. Praying for God's touch to be made real in their lives. But then too, as the video has already reminded us, We can't, and this is always the difficult bit, if you like, but the reality is we can't do this simply without income. We do need income. And as the video suggested, um, £12 a month, £12 a month, that that provides a sort of cost of of, um, providing the the debt advisors at, at, at Bradford at headquarters, uh, I think it's something like four, five, five, five phone calls are covered by that £12 a month. And you have got on your seat some, some uh, forms that uh, I would say, if God is touching your heart to do something financially, please do fill the form in. Come and see me at the, at the stand afterwards. Give me the form so I can send it to Bradford. Or alternatively, you can actually do it online or through a QR code. Um, and uh, I, again, I will have that, that um, QR code on, on, on the laptop. You can scan it. But if you do decide to do it online or scan that, can I just ask that you do actually put, when you, when you go online to do the giving, that you note that it's as a result of the, uh, the Cap Sunday here at Portswood. The reason being is there's an incredible opportunity last month and this month Christian supporters of CAP, or one or two donors, have promised to match fund for a year every donation that is given, every monthly donation that is given. I mean, isn't that an incredible opportunity to double your giving? Now, again, you may not be in a position to give £12. You may only be able to give a pound or two. That's fine. One thing that CAP do ask is that you don't do it at the expense of your giving to your local church. This is something that has to be something that God touches your heart and you do because you can afford to do it. 
above and beyond what you do for the local church because still at the heart of God's purposes is his gathered community of his people, isn't it? But it's a tremendous opportunity. And if you feel you can only do a one-off gift, you can adapt the form to make it a one-off or I've got envelopes if you want to, if you, if you want to just give a cash, cash gift. But it does need you. We do need you to pray, to share the good news of Jesus and the good news of, of a way out of debt and hope physically as well. But we do need you to be able to share in that ministry as well by giving what you have and what you can. God is at work. That's the thing that excites me above all. And again, I come back to this. God is at work touching and transforming people's lives. Not just for now, but for eternity. Hallelujah. Won't you join me and the, and the thousands of others? Become a life changer. Become a prayer partner. And again, if you go on the CAP website, you can find out how to become a prayer partner and they will keep you informed of what God is doing in people's lives. But above all, I think too, continue to pray that the things that you are looking to do and be involved in will really see God's touch and God's blessing on them. Amen. Thank you for letting me share with you. I pray that God will indeed continue to bless you in all that you do. Amen.